0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I begin this morning, I'd like to share a little story with you uh, about my grandfather. My grandfather was a uh, very Christian man. I never heard him curse or swear at all in my life. And he was an engineer for the uh, Wabash Railroad in the steam engine days. During the course of the Great Depression, he and his conductor of the Wabash Cannonball was made very famous by a singer called Boxcar Willie. What made him famous was the fact that at this time of the year, or at this time of the, uh, the railroad companies would give their engineers and uh, conductors guns and clubs to beat and shoot and throw off the uh, people, the hobos who would be riding in the empty boxcars. These people were down and out. They were unemployed. They had no means of seeking, uh, of getting to where jobs were located. And so they would hop onto uh, empty boxcars. Well, my grandfather and his conductor, They didn't believe that uh, these people did not deserve compassion and kindness. I mean, these people were not, the the hobos were not uh, thieves or robbers or thugs. They were just people looking for a job. Well, my grandfather was over to visit my house, and the year was 1968. And at that time I was a uh, eighth grader in a St. John Lutheran school. And if you know anything about Lutheran schools, you know that uh, eighth graders at about this time of year, they're getting ready for one of two things. One, confirmation. Two, graduation. And uh, I was preparing for both. My grandfather came over and of course the family discussion Started to center around, okay, Murray, what are you going to do in high school? And what are you going to do in college? And then what are you going to do? Well, you see, my father, he had my future all planned out. He told me he wanted me to be an attorney. I was going to go to college. I was going to go to law school. And then I was going to come back and be a lawyer there in town. I sat there and listened to him tell me what I was going to do. And I finally, when he stopped talking, I was able to say, Dad, I don't want to do that. Well, now, I didn't know whether he was going to hit me or scream at me some more. But uh, he's, my dad said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a Lutheran school teacher. And he kind of shook his head and he goes, of course, the phrase I still remember, you'll never make any money doing that. I didn't. Um, but my, I think my mom even started crying. But my, my dad, uh, you know, he was ready to tell me what I was going to do, not what I wanted to do, but what I was going to do. And my grandfather stood up, and he said, Jack. And whenever he said that to my dad, my dad went silent. And my grandfather said, Jack, I wanted you to be a railroader. You're not a railroader, because you didn't want to do that. He goes, he's not going to be a lawyer. End of story. Discussion ended right there. But then my grandfather came to me and he said five words that I remember to this day. These are the five words he said to me. He said, Murray, for God's sake, do something. Now, at first I thought, Grandpa, I've never heard you swear like this. And he said, I'm not swearing. He said, for God's sake do something. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you make a lot of money or what you do, if you do it for God's sake, and that's what you should do. Well, in the gospel lesson today, Jesus was being told what to do or what not to do. And yet his answer basically was the same thing. For God's sake, I have to do this. I have to go and heal and preach. And On the third day, I'll complete my task. For God's sake, do something. My grandfather later explained to me that that actually comes from James chapter 1, verse 22 where James says, be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. You see, God wants us to focus on doing what he tells us to do, not on just hearing what he tells us to do. He calls each of you to be an active follower of Jesus, not just a passive listener. James again says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The truth is, is that you you can listen to sermons and study the Bible for decades. But if you never do anything about what you've heard and learned, you're really deceiving yourself and not really growing more like Christ. D.L. Moody was an influential evangelist and Christian educator in the 19th century. He said that the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. It's a manual for living. The Bible also says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Well, there are four things that Scripture, you know, that Paul's telling Timothy here, that Scripture does. It says it's good for doctrine. Well, doctrine shows the path that we're walking on. It shows reproof. Well, that's where we get off the path. But it also is good for correction. That's how we get back on the path. And it's good for instruction. That shows how we stay on the path. So God's word is practical, real-world truth. Let's take a look at those four real briefly. Number one, scripture gives us doctrine. It's meant to be doctrine. We use that word a lot. Doctrine is, I used to say doctrine is like a map. When I used to drive around, I'm sure maybe you did too. Uh, some of you, you used to drive around, if you opened my, my uh, glove compartment, a whole bunch of maps would fall out. Well, maps don't fall out of my glove compartment anymore because I got a smartphone. Now we use GPS, don't we? Yeah. But it's the same thing. GPS tells us exactly where we are, and very plainly where we are. Well, Romans chapter 3 tells exactly where humanity is. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away. But you see, the primary fundamental doctrine of Scripture is not found in Romans. It's found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, doctrine shows us exactly where we are and where we're going and how to get there. It's the map that leads to salvation. Well, Scripture also shows us where we've gotten off the path. Yeah, that's called the law. And it shows us our sin. Remember that rich young man that came and uh, asked Jesus, what must I do to earn salvation? Well, Jesus asked him then, well, what does the law say? And the young man said that, oh, he's followed the law all of his life. And what was Jesus' reply? Sell everything you got give it to the poor, and follow me. Well, if you remember, that rich young man just couldn't bring himself to realize how far off the path he had actually gotten. Well, Scripture also, as I said before, shows us how to get back on track. When Jesus was asked which commandment was the greatest He summed up all of the law of God with this answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. That's how we get back on the path. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind. When God says that if we repent of our sin, He is merciful and He will forgive us. He then wants us to reach out to those who have hurt us and be merciful and forgive those. That's how we get back on the path to salvation, by showing love and mercy to others. And yes, Scripture instructs us what to do For God's sake. For we are God's handiwork, Ephesians says, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, and we are to do good works. The problem is is that most of us know a lot more than we actually put into practice. Oh, you may say that you believe in forgiveness, But do you really forgive those who have hurt you? We say forgive and forget. That's because the two words literally mean the same thing. Can you still remember something that someone did to you to hurt you years ago? If you can We really haven't forgiven, have we? God tells us if we believe in waiting on him, then we'll be patient. We won't get in a hurry. We won't get discouraged because God's answer may be not right now. I mean, if you're like me, When I'm driving down, let's say 1792, there's what, three lanes? And uh, I see the light turn red. I quickly eyeball to see, okay, there's a truck over here. There's a few little cars over here. I'm getting in this lane because that's going to go faster. We're all impatient. That's kind of natural. But if anything, the last couple of years has taught humanity through all the problems with COVID and all the problems that we've been having. It's that we need to be patient and wait on the Lord. He wants us to be doers of his word. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, the very last thing he told his disciples, the Great Commission, we all memorize that, teach them, or go and baptize all nations, baptizing them and make disciples of them, making, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then he ends with teaching them to do everything that I have commanded them to do. He didn't say teach them to know everything. He didn't say teach them to think about everything. He said, teach them to do. So don't fool yourself into thinking that hearing God's word also means that you're actually applying God's word. Make plans to do something about what you hear so that you can grow to be the person that God wants you to be. Is there something that you really haven't done yet that you just know God really wants you to do?
1: With all the problems going on in the world today, I sometimes
0: think and I wonder, what would the world do if the church actually did what it's supposed to do? So here's the question of the day.
1: What's stopping us from being doers of the word? What's stopping us? Well, it's a four-letter word. Starts with F. Fear. Fear. It's Satan's greatest tool. He wants us to keep us afraid to
0: do things. And yet Paul reminds us, or he wrote to the Ephesians, he said, Glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, or infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires, thoughts, or hopes. Wow. He's talking about a bold faith a faith that's willing to take risks.
1: Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God.
0: You see examples of taking risks, though, in Jesus' parable about the talents, when he he tells about a a, uh, businessman who goes off on a trip and gives his underlings... One of them, he gives them five talents, which is an amount of money. Another, he gives two talents. Another, he gives one talent. Well, the person that got, that got five talents invested it and used it and made five more. The person that got two talents, he invested it and doubled it. And when the master came back and saw what they had done, he said, well done, good and faithful servants. Then he turned to the servant who got one. Well, that servant said he had become afraid, and he hid his talent in the ground. The master saw this. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. You could have at least put it in the bank where I'd have got a little bit of interest when I came back. You see, the lesson that Jesus wants us to learn is that God wants us to be willing to take risks in faith. If you make the most of what he's given you, then you're going to be given more. But if you're scared and take no risks, then you're actually being unfaithful. You're not acting in faith with what God's given you. For the past couple of years, this
1: congregation has gone through some Pretty tough times. It's had some setbacks and troubles. I remember when the very first
0: pastor turned down the call or returned the call. I actually heard some people
1: say, well, you know, maybe if we were a bigger congregation, he would have come. Maybe if we were bigger. A few months ago, we had leaders of the congregation
0: stand up here and say, we need $150,000. How'd that sound to everybody? I actually heard some people say,
1: well, we'll be lucky to get half that. Maybe if we were bigger, we could get that much. But you see, that's the wrong question. What if we were bigger? No, it's how big is our God? That's the question. When we
0: let the size of our God determine the size of our goal, we can do pretty much anything, like Paul reminds us. For he is able to do far more than we would ever dare ask or even dream of. Yes, God has blessed us. He's blessed us in so many ways. He's now blessed us with a new pastor who's going to be here in a couple of months. And so I say, yes, let's go ahead. Let's not expect him to do everything, but let's all do something. Let's all take a risk in bold faith because God will say, he can say, I'll take your biggest dream and even top that. So as we leave this morning, I want you to remember those five words my grandfather said to me.
1: Let's say them together. For God's sake, amen.